The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Lifehouse Church, what's up? It's so good to be here. I love this church. This is home. I was here back from 2003 to 2006, and this is home. It's so cool seeing faces here that I remember from back then. And it is so good to be here. Aren't you glad that Patrick's coming back next week? Come on, give it up for your pastor. I was here when Patrick only had a back office and flat out dream to plant a church. And just to see what God has done here in 15 years is absolutely incredible. You have an incredible pastor. You need to know you are blessed. Thank you for giving him time off to get refreshed. I know he's gonna come back insane. We used to call him Pastor Psycho. And, and, and like he's gonna come back insane, ready to storm the gates of hell and see this city won. Amen? Amen. You are a blessed church. Really, really, really quick, I want to say hey to all of the different campuses joining us today. Uh, Chambersburg, Leidersburg, Wilson, Classic, and online. I believe I got them all. We, we want to say welcome. We are so glad that the, uh, you have joined us today. A little bit about me quickly. Uh, my family and I, we started Lifehouse Newport News uh, just under two years back, and we have seen God move and do incredible things. And we want to say seriously thank you. Because of your giving, you guys are seeing lives change. Tiffany's story, we've got plenty of stories like that of change happening in people's lives because you give and give generously. So thank you so, so much. But also too, I think I've got a picture here that I want to show you of our family. This is our beautiful, now, do you, now here's the thing. Those of you that have kids know what it takes to get a picture like, like this. I'll give you Disneyland. I'll give you whatever you want. Just smile. So thankfully, out of about an hour, we got one decent picture here. We got <laughs> Jackson, Judah, Dallas, and my beautiful wife, Kristen, right over there. Kristen, you just want to say hi? Okay, great. We love her. I'm so thankful for her. Uh, but also, too, something uh, about me you saw up there that I'm a professional stutterer. So I stutter and I am a pastor. Unicorns might be real, right? Uh, you, you just really never know. Uh, uh, anyway though, yeah, so uh, you know, I've, I've stuttered my whole life, but at the same time, I felt a call to preach God's word. And I've just said, do you know what? God's word is good, is good, is good enough to come through stuttering lips. And what, and, and what I say is this, I speak in 3G, you listen in 5G, if I stutter, I'm just buffering, okay? So, so just kind of give it some time, let it come through. I promise it'll come through. And one thing I say is too, I teach, I teach people patience. That, that's what I tell our church. I'm like, you're at the church of patience. If you're going to listen to a stuttering preacher every week. You are, you are a patient people. Anyway though, welcome. If you have your Bibles today, we're gonna start off today in Matthew chapter four. I'm excited to preach today, and typically I preach about 45-minute sermons, and I've got 25 minutes, so this is going to be a fast sermon. So y'all pray for a brother, okay? We're going to get through this, I, I promise. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22, we're going to read this here. It says, that Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. It says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they dropped their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two older brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they just left the boat and their father and followed him. All right, Matthew chapter 9, 
We're gonna go to Matthew chapter nine here. And it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw some, somebody named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. It's like, dude, what is up with Jesus just going up to people and being like, follow me? And they're like, okay, okay, Jesus, whatever you say. It's like, what in the world? This, this doesn't make sense. Because here's, here's the thing, right? In our culture, you know, if we say follow us, so you can think about who are you? Why are you here? Can you get a background check, right? It was like, this doesn't compute to our culture of when Jesus called people, they just said, okay. But here's the thing, right? It, it makes complete sense if you actually view this in Jesus's culture, right? Here's the, here's the thing, right? Whenever a teacher, rabbi, like Jesus was, went up to somebody and said, hey, come and follow me, what he wasn't saying is come into my classroom and know what I know. He was saying, if you're going to follow me, you are literally going to end up being like me. Not just know what I know, you're going to, to, to not just know what I know, you're gonna do what I do. You are literally going to be a replicate of me. And typically, teachers only went to the top of the class to, to those that were talented, those, those that were, you know, A students. And Jesus comes up to fishermen and tax collectors and says, hey, I want you to follow me. And they're probably like, Isn't, wasn't this the dude healing people? Wasn't this the dude teaching with authority? Wasn't this, this like this great teacher healer and he just came up to me and he said, come and follow me? Psh, see you, honey, I'll see you in three years. <laughs> Why? Because they, they had a deep understanding that if, some, that, that, that if a teacher came up to them and said, come and follow me, he wasn't saying, no, he was saying, I want you to come and be like me. And that is why Jesus called disciples. And that is the same call Jesus has for us today. Whenever you start to follow Christ, you become a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ with that same goal to be shaped and formed into the very image of Jesus. Let me tell you what, what being a disciple is. I think we're gonna put it up here. A disciple is somebody who is intentionally being shaped and formed into the image of somebody or something. And this is important for us, why? Because we live in, in a cultural moment, a cultural time where culture is trying to shape you into its image. It is working hard. But here's the thing, as a follower of Jesus Christ, our goal, aim, is to be formed and shaped to, to, to be discipled and shaped and formed into the image of Jesus. And the truth is this, whether you believe it or not, knowingly or unknowingly, you are being discipled. You are being intentionally shaped and formed into the image of some of y'all like, why he got Plato up there? Like, like y'all, it's like, like all of us here are being shaped and formed into the image of somebody or something. We are all like Plato. And the thing is, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are intentionally being shaped and formed into the image of Jesus Christ or unintentionally being shaped and formed into the image of the culture. It is not if you are being discipled, but who or what are you being discipled by and who or what are you shaping and forming your life after? This is Plato. And, and let's just be honest, the culture I believe is doing a better job of shaping and forming Christians into its image instead of Christians forming other Christians into the shape of Christ. Let me give you a few examples here. We have a culture trying to shape you and form you from peace to panic. 
Jesus promises you peace and we have a culture world that wants you to be a panicking people. Jump on Facebook or CNN for five seconds. You'll be panicking. The culture, it wants to, to, to shape and, and disciple you from being a person of love to being a person of hate. The culture wants to disciple you from being a person of rest to a person that is, that is exhausted. The culture wants to disciple you from, from being a generous, a generous person to being, just, to being just a consumer. The culture wants, wants to disciple you from, from being somebody committed to community to being somebody that is committed to individualism. We have a culture that is trying to shape and form Christians into its image, but as followers of Jesus Christ, our commitment and call is to be shaped and formed into the image of Jesus. And the thing is this, if we have a church full of people who are panicky, full of just hate, exhausted, consumeristic, individualistic, that is not going to change the world. So we have to say, if we are a follower of Jesus, are we intentionally forming and shaping our lives after him? Can, can you feel this? Can you feel the weight of this? Can you feel the weight of what our culture is trying to shape and form us into? But here's the thing, Jesus created the church to form and make disciples, to create and form little Jesuses. That is the purpose of church. It's not to just make good church people that put a few bucks in the plate, show up and volunteer once in a, a while, show up to maybe two out of four services monthly and, and, and just hold the fort down until Jesus comes. He did not die for that. He did not beat death for that. Jesus came to make followers of him that are laser focused on shaping and forming themselves. And the, the avenue, the way that happens is in the context of this beautiful thing that God created called church. C.S. Lewis says this, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. Neil Young said this, excuse, excuse me, Neil Cole, Neil Young, I think he's a singer. I don't know. <laughs> Neil Cole, let's go to old Neely boy. It's, he says this here, ultimately each church will be evaluated by only one thing, its disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples. It does not matter how good your praise, which there's good praise here. Uh, preaching, you've got amazing preaching. Programs or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumerist, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not good. Y'all, the church exists to create fully devoted, radical obedience followers of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, right? This is towards the church, but the church isn't, it, it's, it's, it's not just corporately, it's also Individually, So we've got to ask our, our, ourselves, not just as a church, but as individuals, are we that passive, needy, consumerist person that Neil's talking about? Jesus even said this, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, right before he passed, right before he went up to heaven, he said this. Jesus came and said, look, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make good church people. Now, go and make followers, disciples of all nations, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even till the very end of the age. Y'all, my heart for us today is to catch a heart and passion to be intentionally formed and shaped into the image of Jesus in the context of a church. 
that Jesus put here to shape and build a people where this is stronger than that. And if this isn't stronger than that, then this doesn't have purpose. But it's not just corporately, it's also individually. So look, I wanna do the most pastoral thing ever. This is the most preacher pastor. I got three points and they all start with the same letter. <laughs> this, this is what they teach you in Bible class, baby. Three, three points, they all start with the same letter. I wanna just, in 17 minutes, sum up what I see is three calls to follow Jesus, three things, what those are, and they all start with the letter R. And I just wanna sum up what I see Jesus, uh, from what I see in Jesus' teaching on discipleship and speak to you that today. First off, a disciple reckons. Reckons means to calculate the cost of something and to evaluate do I have what it takes? And I think sometimes, if we're completely honest, we, are, we follow Jesus because of what he does for us. Let's just be honest, man. Typically, some of you here, you found this church, you found Christ because you were in crisis. And Jesus healed your marriage. Jesus got you out of that life-controlling addiction. Jesus healed a relationship. Like, Jesus did something for you, and that is amazing, and that is awesome. We celebrate that. But at the same time, what Jesus does for us is paving for what he wants and who he wants to form us to be. What he does for you, Jesus died on the cross in your place and for your, your sins rose and beat death. Like he did that for you and you simply receive that by grace through faith. You can't earn that. It's something you just, you, you just receive. But then after that, the hard slash fun part takes place where now your responsibility working, working with God is now to be shaped and formed into his image. You know, it's funny how some people followed Jesus after he did something for them, right? John chapter six, we kind of see this whole thing. This is right after Jesus fed the 5,000. After Jesus started feeding people, people started following him. They were like, yo, this dude feeds people. It's just like church people, man. You, you say, we're gonna have a prayer meeting. No one shows up. You say, we're gonna have cupcakes. Everyone shows up, right? It's like, you, you have food there and it's like, let's go, you know? Well, Jesus was the same way. Jesus, he started feeding people and people started following him. They, you know, they're really intrigued. This guy does miracles. And then Jesus, later in John chapter six, Jesus says something that kind of makes people, he says, if you don't eat my body and drink my flesh, you can have no part with me. They're like, oh, Jesus just went into cannibal Jesus. He just started saying, and, and, and then it's like people were like, oh, whoa, 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 we know you fed us, but now you're saying we gotta eat you. And what Jesus was saying there wasn't like, you know, eat me. Jesus was, was saying, I did not just come to fill a physical need. I came to fill a, a spiritual need, an eternal need inside of your heart and your soul can feast on the goodness and bigness of me. That's what he was saying. He wasn't saying, eat me, but at the same time, some people were confused. What we see in John chapter six, verse 61, it says this, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, yo, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Let me tell you this, if you follow Jesus long enough, he will offend you. There will be times where what you think you should do, what's what, what you think is right, and what Jesus says is in complete opposition, and you'll have a moment in time where Jesus will ask you, does this offend you? Does this offend you? And then it says in John 6, 66, 
It says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Because what Jesus did for them, and then Jesus said, I'm trying to form you. They were like, oh, I love what Tim Keller says. He says this, Tim Keller said it, I promise. It says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. If, you're, if, if, follow, if Jesus only agrees with you all the time, you just might be Jesus. Because <laughs> here's the bottom line, we like to create Jesus many times in our image. Where we don't create, to, we are called to follow Jesus in his image and be formed and shaped into his image. Let me tell you really quick, there's four stages I believe in following Christ. The first one's this, excitement. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Oh. <laughs> Heal my marriage, it's all good. And here's the thing, whether, whether it's discipleship, dieting, um, marriage, whatever, this is four stages in everything that you actually wanna see change in, right? So excitement, I'm doing keto, 10 calories a day, 10 carbs a day, getting sexy, right? Or man, I love my spouse, man, he's outgoing, I'm, a, I'm more, you know, I'm more quiet, we just balance each other out really good and I just love the difference. Right, and it's all excitement. And then you hit the next stage, which is disillusionment. Like, whoa! Right, and here's the thing, right? Then, then you start to get it like, Jesus cares about your sexual practices? Jesus cares about what you do with your money? Jesus cares about what comes out of your mouth? Jesus cares about what happens in, in your heart and in your thoughts? You start to see Jesus will then, he, he does something for you, but then he's, he's saying, I did something for you, now it's time to form, form you. And we can get excited, but then we can get to the, whoa, 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 Jesus, you wanna go there? And this is where I've seen so, so many people get to this third phase, adjustment, where then you have to calculate what's going to win. And what we just saw in John chapter six, where we saw these people said, yo, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it, I'm out. Because Jesus offended them and there was an adjustment period, and you are going to face this as a follower of Christ. Please know that. You're gonna hit a point where what, where what you see as being true and what Jesus says are going to be different. And it's not about obeying. See, here's the thing, right? Jesus wants, get this, obedience before understanding. So many times he called the disciples. He said, hey, I'm doing this. You won't understand this later, but later you will. And that's where typically it happens. Like Jesus, here's the, here's the thing. The adjustment period, period is you following Jesus in obedience when you don't understand. And, and then what you see is number four, growth. And what you find is so many people fall off here and never get here. Because Jesus offended them. Thomas Jefferson, who was, uh, you know, president, Obviously, I'm not a smart man, but I think he was the third one. Anyway, uh, Thomas Jefferson um, actually had something called the Thomas Jefferson Bible, where, where Thomas Jefferson read the Gospels and literally took a knife and cut out all the parts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that he did not agree with or like, and actually created the Thomas Jefferson Bible. I would highly encourage you not to buy it. Because what he did, he took out everything that was supernatural, everything that, that defied logic or that he didn't see as being 
necessary, he just took out. Now, here's the thing, right? We can look at him and be like, yo, he going to hell. Like, yo, he cut the Bible. But here's the thing. I, here's the thing. I respect the fact he had enough guts to do it. Because here's the thing, right? What, what, what we will do, we'll have the John Ware Bible. We'll have the J. Recto Bible. And, sorry, Jay. And, and, and here's the thing, right? We won't say it. We just won't live it. We won't go out and cut it up, but we'll say, that offends me. That offends me. Nope, sorry, that's, uh, that's getting a little too close for home. But y'all, if we're gonna follow Jesus, he gets full access. You can't compartmentalize your faith and say, Jesus, I give you this, but not that. And that goes into our second point, which is this, a disciple rethinks. A disciple reckons, but a disciple rethinks. Matthew chapter four, verse 17, Jesus, this is when he first came on. He said, from that time, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. What that word repent means, we, we typically think of it as feel sorry for something you've done. But this word in the Greek language actually has a couple of different connotations. One of those is, yes, it's feeling sorry for, but secondly, that, that word literally means to rethink everything. And when Jesus came on the scene, what he was saying is rethink everything. Rethink power. Rethink sex. Rethink money. Rethink influence. Rethink marriage. Re he was saying, I'm bringing something new and you are now going to rethink. I love what Brian Zahn says. He says, repent is not the chide finger wagging of moralism, but an invitation to rethink everything in light of Jesus's death and resurrection. Romans 12, two tells us this, do not be conformed. I think we've got that. My script, so my scripture memory class here, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing, it's a continual process. Here's the thing, whenever you follow Christ, you are going to have to rethink everything you've been through, everything you've experienced, everything you think, and say, Jesus, I give it to you. This is what we need to do. We need to surrender the Play-Doh. The way I describe it to our church is think about poker. Any, any, you know, any poker player? I'm just kidding. We're going to, you probably, well, poker's bad. You probably shouldn't play it out, right, Jay? If you're watching Patrick, yeah, you know, poker's bad. But if you do win money, you can tithe off of it. <laughs> sure, we'll like that. But look, what I tell our church is this. When you start to follow Jesus, think of where the different areas of your life as poker chips. And there's a term in poker called all in, where each one of those poker chips represents a part of your, of your life. Whenever you start to follow Jesus and you say, God, Jesus, I wanna be formed and shaped into the, into the image of you. Do you know what you do? You take all those chips that represent you and you push them into the middle of the table and you say, Jesus, I'm all in. I need you to help me rethink everything according to what you now say. The third point, a disciple reckons, a disciple rethinks, but lastly, a disciple reorients. Reorients. Because here's the way we live in a beautiful country, don't, don't we? An amazing country. Whose, whose goal, the whole purpose of our country is this to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? 
happiness. So honestly, the whole goal of our country is for you to be happy, which isn't bad, which is great. But what happens when we have a culture centered on your happiness and the kingdom that requires fully devoted obedience? Where many times is not going to make you particularly happy. You can have things happen where it's, it's kind of like people try to, try to like mix it. Well, Jesus wants you rich. Jesus wants you prosperous. He never wants you sick. Jesus is like a genie. Rub him the right way and he'll come out. What can I do for you, buddy? And we've taken a culture built on your happiness and we've got a kingdom that wants radical obedience to Christ and we've mixed the two. Let me, let me show you what, what, what I actually mean here. So think about it this way, right? You have a culture. Is camera good? Okay. Where, you know, I mean, it's like our culture says it's, it's like you. You in the middle. Your happiness matters. That's the first and foremost, the most important thing, right? And then you kind of got, you know, just, just think about some things that you have in life. Shout them out for me. You, you, you got your like spouse, right? What are, what, like, you know, what are some of the things? What? Kids, right. You, you got your kids, God bless them. Got your kids, and then you got something else. How, you know, your, your possessions. That's right, that's right. So, you know, like, like house and stuff like that. Something else. Job, you got your job. At my church, someone said Coffee. I'm like, you're an addict. We're going to pray for you after service. Uh, what are some other things, though? Think, think, of, think about maybe like recreational things. Entertainment, right? Let me tell you what typically happens in our culture. Jesus. Jesus becomes an add-on that fits in when he can. We have a church full of people that have a desire to be happy. And if Jesus makes them happy, they'll add them on. But if he doesn't work according to their concept of what happiness is, fantasy football. And really what I see is there are so many people Jesus can't even fit into their life. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, you reorient your whole existence to Jesus. Jesus didn't die to be an add-on. Jesus didn't rise and beat death and create a pathway to heaven to be simply an add-on to your life. One of the biggest hazards in our country is making Jesus an add-on. When you reorient, what you do is you now no longer be the center. Jesus then becomes the center and starts to give life and purpose and truth and direction in all these areas. And now you reorient your life saying, not what makes me happy. You now say what honors and glorifies Jesus and is in line with radical obedience. 
my heart and passion for you with this message, my whole heart with our church is we wanna, we are not interested in creating good church people because good church people don't change the world. They only do it when it's convenient. Our goal is to raise fully devoted, laser-like followers of Jesus Christ that, that say this, I will be willing to rethink everything. The way I use my money, the way I use my influence, the way that I use power, the way that I do sex, the way that I do, I put it all in. But then also they reorient their life and say, I'm not the center, happiness isn't the goal. It is now Jesus at the center. Could it be this? The dream of our country is Jesus's nightmare. And I don't say that with any sort of whatever. I say that as we've gotta be careful in this country bent on where everything's being curated towards your happiness and your ease and your comfort. As followers of Christ, if we give in and be discipled by that, it will be so hard to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And my heart and passion for you today is to be that. Would you pray with me? Father, I know this was tough. I know this was fast, but God, I pray today that each person here understood my heart. I pray that you spoke to them. I pray that you challenged them. I pray that you confronted them. I pray that you convicted them and showed them. Are they bent on their happiness or radical obedience? Is Jesus at the center or are they at the center? Have they reckoned the cost, rethought everything, and reoriented their life. And if they have, and I pray today, there'd be a shift and a change in their spirit and in their heart that would overflow into their practical life. And that we would be a church, that this would be a church that says we are gonna be dedicated and focused on being a church that creates and forms and is intentional about becoming followers of Jesus, not just good church people. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you just say, John, I wanna be, you know, it's like, this is saying about being a follower of Christ. I've, I haven't even done that yet. And possibly today, whether you're online here, whatever, you say, I wanna be a follower of Jesus today. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, just creating a time of privacy right now. If that is you, I just want you to just, to just quickly slip a hand up. Slip a hand up, yeah, do it, do it. If you raise a hand, there's gonna be someone, they're gonna bring you a card really quick. This is what we're gonna do, church. We're gonna to pray together. And we're gonna pray with everyone here that the raised a hand to receive Christ today. And we're gonna pray with them. We're gonna join with them and we're gonna celebrate with them. If you would just pray with me really quick, everybody pray this out, out publicly with me. Jesus, I give you my life. I wanna be a follower of you. I've considered the cost. I'm going all in and I will reorient my life around you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lifehouse fam, let's give it up for all those that said that prayer today for the first time. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.